Watch out for those weirdos. <laughs> we are the weirdos, mister. Welcome to another episode of the Windsor Film Club, the underground club of movie podcasts focusing on the underseen, underappreciated, or downright weird films that not enough people talk about. With you guys, as always, is myself, Raina Cervantes, and with me is my wonderful host, Madison. Hi. Hey, hey, hey. How's it going? <laughs> I understand you had a little bit of a commute trouble uh, before this recording. Yeah. Um, public transportation kicked my ass today, so it was really not fun. <laughs> See, at least you live somewhere where public transportation exists. Like I live in like rural California, so it's like, no, everybody's got to drive out here. No, you're so valid. I made eye contact with the bus driver who was there early, might I add, three minutes early as I was sprinting and I waved at him and he looked me dead in the eyes and drove away. So we're beefing today. If he's listening, we're beefing. (laughs) This is uh, San Francisco, right? Yes, it is. (laughs) See, that would never happen in L.A. Oh, God, you're so right. But anyway, um, we have an exciting movie and guest this week joining us this week in the club you might recognize her from GameSpot, giant bomb and twitch please welcome to the club this week miss lucy james hello thank you for the very lovely intro introduction very excited to be here yeah not a problem thank you for agreeing to do this i imagine you're super busy so i was i was so surprised and as ecstatic you said yes well when you said like we record mondays i was going yes i'm in that's that's my day that's my day you know what mondays and wednesdays always the days that people are like hell yeah i can do that yeah exactly people like i never think to organize anything for mondays so except for elden ring which is just my life in general now it's like everybody's life right now that game like took the internet by storm like crazy it's almost as if it knew you know that nothing else was really coming out You know what? I am a huge FromSoft fan, but I like had zero hype around Elden Ring for some reason. I just like knew in the back of my mind that I would play it regardless. Mm -hmm. I just never looked up gameplay. Mm -hmm. And then once I like got my hands on it, I was like, holy hell, this is like everything they've been working towards. Seriously. And like, yeah, I played the the open network test and I kind of regret doing that because then I had to wait months to actually play the finished thing. But now we're here, you know, now we're here. Yeah, now we're, we're not here to talk about games. No, we're really not. Um, even <laughs> though even though uh, that's what you're most known for. Right. Um, mm. So for for our listeners who don't really know, can you give us like the elevator pitch of what you do and who you are, really? Ooh, uh, yeah. I mean, so I I've worked at Gamespot for the last eight years. I've been in games media for ten. I um have kind of I've been in Gamespot for yeah most of my career, and I've done everything. I've done a bunch of entertainment stuff. I helped get our um at least the video portion of my entertainment brand off the ground. I did a lot of like Game of Thrones and Westworld and Black Mirror coverage and Altered Carbon. Weirdly, that was like the I that was the the beat that I was on. Um, but mostly, I am a host. I head up our features team, um, and on Giant Bomb, I am on uh, Jeff Jeff's Bizarre Adventure, where we watch uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, and uh, a show called The Very Online Show, talking about internet culture. And then in my spare time, I stream on Twitch. And right now, we're doing Resident Evil Four, which is a lot of fun. Very. Almost a perfect game, I would say. Wow. Holy hell. That is an impressive resume, if I must say so myself. Thank you. 
probably it's been 10 years. <laughs> yeah, 10 years flies by. I think like 10 years, I was like, what's this year, 2022? I was like mm. one year out of high school and I'm like, damn, I've been graduated for like a decade now. And also just like the the passage of time. I mean, time is relative as we learn uh, in the movie we'll be talking about today. Everyone perceives time in a different way. So <laughs> Exactly, exactly. So before we hop into that movie, we just do a little brief round robin segment of what we've been watching or doing this week. Um, Mads, you want to lead us off with this one? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I actually totally forgot about this segment, which is horrible of me <laughs> because I'm on this podcast every week. Um, haven't watched much. I walked into the theater to finally fully watch everything everywhere all at once, which I'd only seen the first 30 minutes of due to my last job, walked into the theater and then was terribly sick and had to go home. So I got popcorn and I literally bought my popcorn and a popcorn bucket, Batman. Very cool. And then I had to walk out of the theater. I was devastated. So, um, no. Yeah. It was a huge bummer. Um, other than that, still watching Winning Time. I still think it's underseen and underappreciated, even though it's barely airing on HBO right now. Everyone, please watch it. It's very good. Um, okay, this is so embarrassing, what I'm about to admit right now, but I've been. <laughs> I I don't watch shows with laugh tracks. However, I'm binge watching a rewatch of How I Met Your Mother, which I haven't watched since high school. Um, just because it's it's a comfort for me right now. So that is all I've been watching. Not very interesting at all. <laughs> Damn, I can't imagine watching only part of everything everywhere and then having to leave. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. I that's a, am that's a torn up about it. <laughs> I, I would be too. Good God. Um, Are you going to go try and see it in the cinema again? Oh, yeah. I'm going in two days. So I'm really excited. I uh, It was just a huge bummer to, to miss out on it. But I'm going to hold you to that, Madison. I'm going to text you like <laughs> two days from now going like, did you see it? Question mark. Please bully me into it. I need to see it. Yeah. I'm just going to bully you into watching. I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to look at your Instagram story and you're going to be hanging out and I'm going to be like, oh, you're not at the theater. I see. <laughs> Lucy, have you watched or done anything interesting this week? Uh, So I guess end of last week, about a week ago today, yeah, I finished uh, season one of Severance. I don't know why I said it like season one. It only is season one um, right now. But Mm -hmm. yeah, that was fantastic. And I'm still, my jaw is still clenched from that finale. Um, And it's great because everyone I know has like slowly started to watch it. We did a park hang last weekend and all we were talking about is set with severance. And so now we had this kind of trickle down effect where people, more people started watching it and sending me pictures of like where they're up to in the episodes and talking about theories. And I'm just very, very stoked for a season two, but I can't, I can't stand that I have to wait for it. Have you seen it? I I haven't. And it like, I kept getting it mixed up with that other Apple TV show, uh, Servant. Like, I thought their naming schemes. I think that one is done by M. Night Shyamalan. Oh. King. Sorry, I love it. Very different. <laughs> That's my problematic opinion is that I worship M. Night Shyamalan. Oh, I love his movies. Um, I loved The yeah. Village, so. Oh. Yeah, The Village yeah, is pretty know. entertaining. Yeah. Sorry, I interrupted. I just had to uh, no, 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 give no, a little no. praise. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, love it. I'm a big Split defender. I went to the world premiere yes. of that movie. Oh, I love Split. <laughs> I, saw, I, I saw Anya Taylor-Joy in person. It was such a glorious moment in my life. Oh, my God. I, I just forget that she was in that. Yeah, God, she's like she's the so main like female lead. She's also in Glass, the sequel. Mm, um, I never watched. I never watched. Oh, Glass. don't. I keep. Don't. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. I thought you were gonna be like, yeah, you should watch it. Okay. I I love him. He does have some flops. That one's a flop for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That flop era. Okay, that one was a huge flop for me because I am a huge Unbreakable fan, and what they do with the Unbreakable yeah, yeah. characters is like super unforgivable. I feel like. But I say this as a Last Jedi fan, and the Last Jedi just totally did different stuff with Star Wars characters. Besides the <laughs> point, I thought Glass did it wrong. Um, but yeah, I need to watch Severance. Um, I saw it was like directed by Ben Stiller, I believe. Ben Stiller wants you to know that he has watched, and I and I say this with love as a big Kubrick fan. But like Den, Ben Stiller wants you to know that he has watched a Stanley Kubrick movie, and like all of the shots are, you know, that kind of like square on very cold shot that oh, Kubrick yeah. does a lot of and but honestly like it's I think it's I think it's a perfect show I genuinely can't think of anything wrong with it wow and not wrong but like nothing I didn't like about it it was so engrossing I was genuinely and like I live alone it's me and my cat but at the end of some of the episodes I was genuinely just going what the fuck and I had to <laughs> oh, stop yeah finishing i had to stop um ending the episodes at the end i would watch 30 minutes and then i set myself on a new schedule where i'd watch like because i couldn't i couldn't bear the cliffhangers even though all the episodes are out and i could just watch them all um it's it's really really good it's i genuinely think uh Everyone should should watch it. I'm glad somebody knows my pain of having to wait for another season because that's currently how I am with Yellow Jackets. Oh, God, same. And I was just like, especially the finale of it, which I won't dive into spoilers because I don't know if Madison's seen it or not. Haven't um, finished it. Need to, though. <laughs> okay. But the way the final episode ends, I was like, you got to be fucking joking me. I got to wait a year now. At least a year. Yeah. Fingers, fingers crossed they just but, do it really quickly. But yeah, uh, Severance, great show. Now I can watch that and destroy myself. <laughs> um, and then my watches this week, Lucy, I know you said you weren't here to talk games, but my two watches this week were mm. both video game related. <laughs> oh, my I'm, in, God. I'm into it. I'm into it. Uh, so the first one I did is I watched uh, the DC adaptation of Injustice, the animated film. Oh, I haven't even seen that one. Yeah, which it's it's on HBO Max. And obviously mm. I'm a huge DC fan and love the Injustice games. And I saw it's an animated movie. It was only like 80 minutes and it was rated R of all things. Mm. Um, it's terrible. Oh, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's pretty bad. They don't even attempt to adapt like the story from the games. Like, oh. I don't know if you guys know, but like the video games, like they're all like very multiverse stuff. Like they're yeah. like, oh, there's all these different multiverses. This one is like, Oh, this one is an alternate universe to the video games. Mm. Yeah. And that was my reaction watching it. And then yeah. they do the very predictable thing that they did from the end of the first game where it's like Superman versus Superman. And I was like, mm. that's boring. I just kind of sat there. That's and a shame. Yeah. 
twiddle, twiddled your thumbs while you watched it. Kind of. I think the only thing I liked about it was like Plastic Man is really cool because he's like oddly not in the video games for some reason, but he's in the movie and he's like just a psychopath. And Jillian Jacobs voiced Harley Quinn in the animated movie. Ooh. Yeah. And I kind of loved that. Like yeah. she was really good. But yeah, I I guess I guess if you're curious and got 80 minutes, you can watch it on HBO Max. <laughs> but I was pretty disappointed. And then my other watch is I went to the theater this week to go see Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Yeah. Oh, we talked about this very briefly. I'm sad he didn't like it as much. Yeah. Like, I know it's dumb. But I feel like the first movie was like, oh, let's cater to the adults who are nostalgic for Sonic, Mm. which is like me, obviously, like I don't play modern Sonic games. I'm nostalgic for the old games. So I was like, this is a pretty fun movie. I like the whole fish out of water angle that the first movie took and like teaming Mm -hmm. them up with a human because it's like that's a ridiculous concept. Um, And then the second movie is just, okay, we already did that. Let's just. Let's kind of make a movie for the kiddies and have more Sonic characters. Like at one point, I forget humans are even in it until it cuts <laughs> to like a subplot in the middle set in Hawaii. Mm. And I was just like, oh, well, this movie's not for me, but that's OK. Um, I kind of cackled out loud when I saw the post credit scene because okay. they do what you think they're going to do. That's all I'll say. Good. Okay. It's, it's on my list, but like the, the other stuff that's coming out at the moment, you know, like um, massive talent is coming out. Oh I want to see the North, the Northman, mm-hmm. Northman. Like, I think I'll, I'll probably just wait for it to start streaming. Yeah. Like, and the first one hit streaming real fast because of the pandemic. So I imagine this one might hit streaming fast too. I saw this instead of ambulance and I kind of regret it. Oh, ambulance. Ambulance. I kind of regret not seeing that because somebody uploaded a clip of like the drone shots that they do in it. And I was just like laughing so hard looking at it. I cannot wait to um, see it, honestly. That and Lost City of D or whatever they call it now. So pumped for those movies. Yeah. <laughs> so, is that the, the Sandra Bullock one? Yes, and that's not no. my type of yeah. movie typically, but I'm so fucking excited to see it. <laughs> they say, I heard it good. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm down to see that. It got good reviews. They say it's a lot like, what's that movie from the 80s? Like a Romancing the Stone? Ooh, okay. Oh, yeah, which... Which, speaking of like 80s influence, what did you guys think of that Thor Ragnarok? I mean, Thor Love and Thunder trailer. So I haven't seen it uh-huh. because at this point, I'm like, I just want to see the film. Yeah. I just want to see the final yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've seen, you know, bits of um, Natalie Portman and I've seen Tessa Thompson in the suit. So mm-hmm. I already mm-hmm. know I'm going to love it. So, <laughs> so I don't know. I'm because it's not long to wait, is it? No, no, it's just it a comes out months. in July, July 8th, I believe. Ooh, yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm just probably just not going to. The thing about not having to do entertainment coverage anymore means I can, I can finally not watch everything. Just enjoy it. <laughs> and just enjoy it. I say that, though. When Rings of Power comes out, that's my. Oh, yeah. That yeah. trailer was insane. Yeah. And then the reaction to it was awful. But trailer looked good. I loved that trailer and I especially loved it when they revealed that it was all done like practically. Mm. Mm-hmm. Which is insane to me. Yeah. I mean, like a lot of Lord of the Rings has aged so well because of it. And mm-hmm. stuff that has aged pretty badly is 
the, mm-hmm. the VFX at the time. Mm-hmm. So I haven't seen those in so long. I should really rewatch those. I got the the 4K Ultra HD <gasps> Blu-rays when they came out, and they are wonderful. I need to I need to buy that set because I've been like on a huge like 4K kick. It's like oh, I remotely like this movie, and it's like remotely epic in scale. Better buy the 4K. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was I was gonna get Batman because of the bonus features uh, on the 4K mm-hmm. UHD. I oh, think. Yeah. I was like, I want, I want, I want to see, I want more of Robin Pattinson just being weird. <laughs> Same. You know, I'm not yeah. gonna get that anywhere else. And not to spoil our movie topic for today, but like I saw a lot of parallels between the Batman and this. Um, the journal. Ooh. Sorry, yeah. I yeah. did nothing but think of the Batman the whole rewatch. Like. Oh my god. In a good way. In a good way. Sorry. <laughs> In a good way. It's sad that I memorized the opening monologue from the Batman. I no, I will too. not recite it. I did too, but I think it's because I was working at an Alamo at the time. So I literally watched the opening 25 minutes of that movie like 30 times. So um but yes, Mother same here. <laughs> um, well, that's a perfect segue into Uh, our movie of the week but first let's have a quick ad read folks do you love movies do you spend your days thinking about how much you love to watch them the good ones even the bad ones everyone told you not to like it sounds like super yaki is the place for you the team at super yaki loves movies so much that they've dedicated every waking moment of their life to bring you top quality merchandise to showcase your love for them. From bumper stickers that tell the world about your love for the 1999 classic The Mummy to stylish hats that celebrate the fine works of Nora Ephron. They even have super soft t-shirts based off the internet's favorite collective husband, Oscar Isaac. Super Yaki brings you tangible love letters to the movies and filmmakers that you can wear with pride. Plus, the team at Super Yaki Screen prints all their apparel using eco-friendly, 100% water-based inks and ships with compostable poly mailers for an environmentally friendly alternative to online shopping and for our listeners you can enter the code super windsor in all caps to receive 10 percent off your entire order if the spirit moves you find them at superyaki.com let's, let's watch, watch more movies. movies cool we're back madison you want to introduce the movie that we're covering this week this week's movie is watchmen the ultimate cut released in 2009 directed by Zack snyder and written by david hater and alex Zitt. It stars Malin Ackerman, Billy Crudup, Matthew Good, Carla Gugino, Jackie Earl Haley, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, and Patrick Wilson. The film was inspired by the seminal graphic novel by Alan Moore and David Gibbons. It's set in an alternate 1985 America where costume superheroes are a part of everyday life. When one of his former comrades is murdered, masked vigilante Rorschach uncovers a plot to kill and discredit all past and present superheroes. As he reconnects with his retired associates, only one of which has true powers, Rorschach glimpses a far-reaching conspiracy involving their shared past and catastrophic consequences for the world's future. Released by Warner Brothers on a budget of roughly $138 million, the original theatrical cut went on to gross $185.3 million in the worldwide box office. The original theatrical cut sits at 65% on Rotten Tomatoes. Critics said, It's gritty and visually striking. Watchmen is a faithful adaption of Alan Moore's graphic novel but its complex narrative structure may make it difficult to appeal to viewers not already familiar with the source material. Yeah, I kind of agree with that Rotten Tomatoes statement, like the more I like read it. (laughs) Um, But 
uh, first and foremost, uh, Lucy, why did you decide to bring this particular movie into the club this week? So when when you reached out and I, you asked me what you know, we kind of explained the premise of the of the podcast and like my my I immediately went to Empire Records because I was you know that's just the kind of cult movie that I always kind of I've leaped to if ever I have that sort of conversation about like what movies do you like but not many other people do and then I was like thinking about it and thinking about it and then I think you mentioned that you'd done Sucker Punch and I just went okay oh god no we have to do Watchmen because I'm a Watchmen defender and I always have been ever since I saw it I think and well I'm sure we'll get to this but I think Zack Snyder made a really good change to Watchmen um and it's it's one of those movies where it was like it was always it was meant to be unfilmable and I think Zack Snyder did an incredible job with it. I think the cat. I think there are a few clangers in there. It's not a perfect film, but I think it's pretty fantastic. And in terms of capturing the tone and spirit of Watchmen, I think it does a really great job. And I, I get the whole structure stuff, but I also I don't get the sixty five percent. I don't. I, yeah, that's obnoxiously low to me for some reason. Like, I agree with the statement that it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, its structure is a little bit complex. Like, and especially if you know the source material, you could probably pick up on it even faster. But I don't know about 65. That's that's really low. But also keep in mind, the version we did watch is like the definitive version, I would say. So and it's been Mm. so long since I watched the theatrical cut that I think (laughs) the last I looked the theatrical cut was something like two hours and 40 minutes. Yeah, it was, it was kind of clocking in at almost at three. Um, and then this one is, yeah, three and a, a bit, three and a half, three. Yeah. Three and a half, three hours, 35 minutes. Exactly. I think. But I, I always wondered if, if that 65% isn't because it's, it's kind of like a snobbery because it is seen as a um, as a superhero movie when in fact it's this very nuanced, politically charged story. And yeah. um, I think it was just kind of snobbery that it wasn't, you know, Marvel super. And like people give DC shit this like all this shit because DC is obviously grittier. Um, and I unfortunately think that Watchmen was the one that got the brunt of it. Um, <laughs> yeah, back in the day. It, it, it's weird because like you look at this and you kind of realize that Zack Snyder repeated himself with Batman versus Superman. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah for sure. <laughs> like, let me yeah. make this politically charged a three hour epic that people are going to hate and say is too dark and gritty. I also yeah. feel like releasing a three hour long superhero movie in 2009 was just so much different than it is in 2022. You know what I'm saying? Like we've now yeah. had Endgame, we've had four hour Justice League and all these like two plus hour movies. So like a two we've hour and forty hour minute Batman. movie. Exactly. Um, I feel like it's a lot more feasible and probably would be a lot more well received now than maybe a, a decade ago. Now now hold the phone right there because I have a major gripe with the ultimate cut, this version in particular. Mm-hmm. For the listeners that don't know, the ultimate cut is essentially just the director's cut with the animated film Tales of the Black Freighter like woven in at intervals in the story, mimicking the format of the original graphic novel. I'm going to say right now, 
that mm-hmm. those segments kill the flow of this movie. <laughs> yeah. I, the thing is, is that I don't think it's those segments. I, I I hate to say this, but the the people playing the the news the the newsstand guy and the kid, yeah, they, like I don't think they're good, and they feel very. It feels like such a disconnect because I think Tales from the Black Freighter is really good, but yeah, pacing wise, I I don't think it's done the best. It's yeah. it's done a little bit jarring and like another like context for our listeners. For those of you that don't know, if you know the end of Watchmen, at the end when New York City gets bombed, essentially, um, you see like that newsstand guy and the kid with the glasses like hugging each other right as it goes off. They're like full blown characters in this particular cut of the movie. And like they, they become friends at the end and the whole thing and it's it was like a weird framing because I don't recall it was framed like that in the graphic novel. No, I don't. Th- I don't know if it was either. Those characters, I and believe, it, I were added in just for the movie. Um, I think that's what I saw when I read a review of it earlier. Um, mm-hmm. Is that they were like created to help the transitions between the like animated um, and live action world. Um, I may be incorrect. I haven't read the graphic novel in years, um, but I believe that's what I saw today. Mm. I'm, I just I just did a Google and Snyder says, the director's cut without the Black Freighter is sort of because it was never designed. I wanted to do the Black Freighter. I wanted to do it, but we didn't really design it to be intercut with the rest of the film. Mm-hmm. So we kind of had to jerry-rig it in, um, although it goes in pretty nicely. Mm. I never felt like it was 100% <laughs> completely organic. So... I think, yeah, he's saying director's cut is the one he prefers, but we watched the ultimate cut, which uh, has has even more in. Yeah. yeah. I, I, w- I would say that this ultimate cut is strictly like for fans. Like mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. want the full Watchmen graphic novel, like this is the one to watch. That being said, I, I agree with Snyder. The director's cut, I think, just flows just a thousand times better. Because like you said, like Tales of the Black Freighter is not bad. It's actually pretty good and it mirrors Watchmen in a lot of ways. It's just the setup for those like cuts to the intervals. It's like it it yanks you out of the story because it's like it's at weird moments in the main story, too. I felt like like, yeah, <laughs> it would be like a very pivotal emotional scene and then cut right back to the newsstand. And you're like, oh, well, it here we go again. It was it was in the Black Freighter and then it cuts into a sex scene. <laughs> I don't know why that was so jarring. For me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I guess like kudos to Zack Snyder, because I feel like most most directors would have scoffed at the idea of like, how dare you want to intercut this like animated movie into my film? And and Snyder was just like, yeah, no, I love Watchmen. He's like, Let, let's do it. <laughs> it was giving Kill Bill for me. Mm. Oh, yeah. Volume one has mm. that animated segment. Go-Go, Holy shit. It's a Go-Go's um, or no, not Go-Go. Um, no. Oranishi's character. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shit. And I don't hate it in that movie, but it's also framed better. It's framed as a flashback. Better done in Kill Bill. (laughs) Um, But while I was watching it in Watchmen, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. It reminds me of that. But um, I actually really like Tales of the Black Freighter, though. Um, I just agree that it it did not help the flow. Um, and it's such a long movie that I was like, oof. but I do actually really, I rewatched it by itself when I was done with the movie and I really enjoyed it. So yeah, it's only like what, like 25 minutes by itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 
And it's Anna's Jared Butler and Jared Harris. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All-star cast. That's, yeah, kind of wild that they got them to agree to do like an animated portion that like nobody really saw. So apparently Jared Butler was supposed to have a role in Watchmen and then that didn't um, like pan out. And so that's why he's in this. And then, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that's in one of our facts later on, but I'll just bring it up right now. That Tales of the Black Freighter was in the original script and was set to be shot as live action segments. Zack Snyder. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Where was he going to get the budget for that? <laughs> yeah, Zack Snyder wanted it to be heavily stylized in the style of his previous film, 300, but it was removed mm-hmm. because it would have added $20 million to the budget. Oh my God. So, God. And yeah. I think he was offering Jared Butler the role of that also. And like Warner was like, you're not getting the budget for live action yeah. tales from the Black Freighter, which would have like low key, pardon my rang- language, would have fucking ripped oh, that rap mm-hmm. made of dead bodies in live action. Because oh, wow. this is also this movie, it's, the cinematography is done by Larry Fong, who did Batman versus Superman. And I believe he did 300. So I'm like mm-hmm. picturing like a live action version of it. There's still Gun- time. There's still time. <sighs> Yeah. Mm. Will Will Zack Snyder go back to Watchmen again? Do another <laughs> cut? You never know. It, do the Snyder cut of Watchmen. <laughs> a, a Snyder cut of Watchmen. Are we gonna start that online? No. no God no. God no. I want a Snyder cut of just all his movies. I want a Snyder cut of Sucker Punch because I want it to be an hour longer for me, just for me only. But <laughs> isn't there a director's cut of that movie? Like. Like, I, I feel like we need to cover that movie on the pod just because it keeps getting brought up so much. I would love to. I will but, wear my baby doll cosplay as we record. <laughs> but it's always interesting that like Zack Snyder has these like big grand visions and they always like kind of get butchered in a way that they have to be released in director's cuts later on. Ah, the Ridley Scott approach. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. Four Blade Runner cuts. Oh my Why god! Didn't, he didn't have a kingdom of heaven as well, right? Oh god, yeah. Um, because somebody told me that the theatrical cut of Kingdom of Heaven is like vastly different than the director's cut. Like, Ooh. somebody was like, "That movie is like a five out of ten theatrical cut, but it's like damn near a ten in the director's cut." I've heard that one as well. God, I mean, hey, maybe, maybe isn't that movie like four hours long? Let me Google oh, probably. I'm really about to Google that. I type Kingdom and Kingdom Hearts comes up. Good God. The running time for Kingdom of Heaven, the theatrical cut, is 144 minutes, which is about two hours and 20 minutes. The, the director's cut is 194, just six minutes shy of four hours. Oh, my God. Yeah, that sounds like a grand, like, epic. It's kind of hilarious because you look on the Wikipedia page of this movie and it shows a photo of Ridley Scott and he's like sleeping, sitting up on a bed. Haggard. Yeah. Which I can assume, but it's always interesting because I feel like Watchmen is one of those prime examples of a director going back and going like, you know what? I'm going to tweak this like post theatrical release. And I just kind of wonder like where that like comes from, like why it might've been the thing where like, Oh, Avengers Endgame came out. It was three hours. It was the director's version. And it like made like billions at the box office and it's like the highest grossing movie of all time. So now we can let the directors do like three, mm. four hour epics. I don't know. What's what's your guys' take on that? I mean, I don't know. I, I kind of wish that like 
the audience, we the audience, would be trusted enough to deal with yeah. longer movies that are more in line with the director's original vision. Um, but then I guess I do, I do kind of enjoy the because we had this with the Shining. So the UK got a version of the Shining that was like twenty minutes shorter, and so the Shining is one of my favorite films, and I'd seen it so many times back in the UK. And then I saw the American version, and I was like, oh my god, it was like rediscovering the movie all over again. Mm-hmm. And I guess a similar thing with Lord of the Rings, right? It's you know, you take a movie that you've seen over and over, and then it gets a little extra love and context and it be- it becomes this whole n- new experience. So I, I don't mind it so much. I personally really, really wish that they would just allow them to release the longer versions in theaters because, again, this is a personal reason. Um, I have really bad ADHD. I can sit through a movie like nobody's business when I am in a movie theater. And the moment that I am home, I have a really, really hard time with it, um, especially long movies like Watchmen last night. I was struggling. I texted Reyna. I was like, I'm having a rough time with this one. I love the movie, but I'm really struggling. But if they just let them do it in the first place in the theater, then I could fucking watch it (laughs) and track with it rather than trying to sit on my couch and beg my brain to focus on the movie. So that's personally why I would love for them to be longer in the theaters. But also just trust the artists and their vision. Like, please, God. (laughs) Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I wonder if we're going to start seeing more of that, especially with like a three hour Batman movie that just came out and was received like super well. And it was like, yeah. it was like for sure, like no cinematic universes, no nothing. Like here is like a singular director's vision of a movie. And here you go. No adjustments. Just make it happen. Make it so. Exactly. Exactly. Um, now to pivot to something else about Watchmen that I didn't realize until this re- rewatch uh this movie's pretty fucking topical right now if i do say so myself i did not realize i like didn't pull that together until i started watching it yesterday and i was like oh yeah yeah yep i i I texted madison and i was like yo how how the hell do we address the conversation around this movie because it's pretty much the whole movie is about like you know kind of nuclear destruction and you know uh conflicts with russia it's 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 weirdly politically relevant to this day even more so than it was in 2009 it's it's so weird because obviously it's like it's still through the lens of the cold war but then at the same time it just kind of shows that we we don't change time is a flat circle time is a flat circle time is a doomsday (laughs) clock Oh my god, constantly say five minutes to midnight. Yeah, I would like it literally opens with that scene. It's literally the scene with like the scientists like on the newscast and they're like, oh, they're moving the hand to five minutes to midnight. And I was like, oh yeah, this is a big factor in this movie. I forgot all about that shit. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. So when you think of Watchmen, what is like the thing that you think of? Uh when I think Watchmen the movie. I think of Malin Ackerman slow motion in a fire and then and forgive me, I think of a sex scene set to Hallelujah. Um, oh God, yeah. <laughs> I try I, not to think of that. It, I think of Dr. Manhattan's penis. I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's the my first thought every time. <laughs> not in a good way. Um but that is what I think of every yeah. time. <laughs> the thing I think of like story wise, I I think mm-hmm. of dr manhattan story i think Mm -hmm. i think he's like the central conflict for me 
yeah, like if we're talking story wise, I think I think yeah, I would agree with you, Doctor Manhattan's story, and I think Rorschach's story of like trying yeah, to yeah. uncover the conspiracy of like who is killing like all these masked like heroes and villains, like who's trying to off all of us all of a sudden. Mm. I think of it almost like a noir take. Yeah, that's head. what I think of too mm-hmm. as well. I think of it in like vignettes. I don't think of it as yeah an overall yeah. story. When I think of the plot of this movie, I definitely like Rorschach 100% and uh, just anti-heroes. I love anti-heroes like a lot. Um, and so that's what I'm reminded of. But also I saw this movie pretty young and uh, saw it a bunch of times when I was really young and then went like a decade without seeing it. So my memory was a little fizzled out. But <laughs> it's it's interesting because like I don't think we think of the nuclear like destruction aspect of the story because obviously the graphic novel is all about that and it's like a deconstruction of like modern superhero mythos like oh if superheroes existed in our world this is probably how it would go down whereas like the movie kind of turns it into like oh slow motion punching almost in certain aspects like it's a very like superhero deconstruction but like while still being a fucking superhero movie in a way yeah, I, I totally agree. It's it's such an interesting... I, I, I don't even know how they managed to take the source material and and turn it into something that I find at least, you know, completely brilliant to watch. Like, it's so visually interesting. It's well acted. Like I said, a couple of clangers. I don't... I mean, God help Patrick Wilson. I don't think anyone can deliver the line, what happened to the American dream? And it I love him. sound ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I love him so much. I'll never forgive Zack Snyder for like schlubbing him up. Yeah. Like he is an attractive man. He is a leading he really man. Is. Let him be sexy. Um, <laughs> in terms of it being a superhero movie. And it's it's kind of my my big gripe with stuff at the minute. Like people were complaining about the bat the Batman because they're like, oh, fed up of all these um, you know, really gritty stories. And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm, like, if you are going to be a superhero, you do have to have like something up, exactly. you know, like some anger issues, some, and that, and that, like, I mean, not to kind of make it about Batman, but you know, Watchmen was supposed to be DC superheroes, and then they were like, no, do not use our lovely yeah. heartfelt characters. Make up your own. Which is funny because I have a little point to add to that statement right there. No, same. Um, yeah, go on. Be- because they eventually did like a Watchmen with DC superheroes with oh Kingdom God, yeah, Come. Yeah. Oh my God. They yeah. did. That is very much like a Watchmen story with the DC characters. So it's like, you could have just let Alan Moore do the fucking thing. I, yeah. I just don't think they trusted him to do it. And then, yeah, Watchmen came out and was one of the best thing, one of the best DC novels of all time. No. Okay. But I have to back to your point about not making it about Matt, Batman, but totally making it about Batman. Um, I had this conversation with my parents the other day because they love the Batman, but they're like, oh, but he's not like Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne. And I explained that that's coming in the next one. But we had the conversation of like, I know, I know. We had the conversation of like, who is more likely to spend every single night that they have literally beating the shit out of people and suffering with the loss of their parents? Like, a super playboy guy or a guy that's deeply, deeply depressed and fucked up in the head. Obviously it's going to be the latter. Mm -hmm. Like 
who else would want to spend their nights doing that? It doesn't make any sense. And to be a hero, you lose so much and you lose a lot of yourself, I feel like. So it totally makes more mm-hmm. sense to have characters like this rather than the MCU. I love I um, this isn't like a DC versus MCU thing, but like it just makes more sense to me that you'd have some deeply messed up psychological part of you to do vigilante mm-hmm. shit. You know, like it doesn't make sense. Yeah. That you'd be this happy, well, lucky person that has a bunch of friends and all that stuff. It just doesn't. I don't vibe with that as much. It's funny you bring that up because the Batman like Matt Reeves has gone on record saying it's mostly inspired by like Long Halloween and Frank Miller Batman Year One. Yeah. Which like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I swear people say they read Frank Miller Batman and then they show that they don't by saying like, oh, I don't like this unhinged Batman. I'm sorry. Frank Miller Batman is one of the most unhinged human beings I think I've (laughs) ever read. Like that dude is a psychopath in a bat costume. Yeah. And and, and that's the thing with Watchmen. It's like, it just, even you could, you could argue that Laurie is maybe, and, and Dan are the most quote unquote normal ones of the two, but Laurie's in, essentially a relationship like a dead-end relationship where she knows she's trapped but doesn't want to get out really um and you know the only real joy and also has an abusive mother the only joy she gets is from when they beat up those um those muggers dan is Mm -hmm. a rich a rich guy who's like trying to be happy-go-lucky but ultimately depressed and living in his history and again like you see how quickly he actually in in the ultimate cut you see how quickly he flips that switch when he meets the the top knot gang who are completely cut out of the other versions yeah um, i forgot but, about that yeah me too and also they they were not good they were also in one of those scenes with the um the newsstand folks and they were like they look like they've been shot six months later it was a very weird jarring moment it is like you do bring up that point like i i think at one point like night owl is like smiling as he's like pummeling somebody yeah. like he's like he's almost like that he is that alan moore take of like oh these people are like low-key kind of psychopaths like like even comedian, like I think brings up, he's like, you got to enjoy like some aspect of the job. It's like mm-hmm. all of them, whether they want to admit it or not, are a little bit unhinged because they go around in these costumes and fight crime. Yeah. And it's like the way that they even go about doing it as well. It's like they all seem to have their own, they, they all bring their own trauma to it and their own baggage to it. And that's something where in, in not to make it a Marvel versus DC, but I guess in more mainstream kind of the more popcorn kid friendly ones, you don't really get a lot of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, Iron Man, maybe mm. um, in kind of the second and third movie and no Civil War. Sorry, when he's kind of grappling with that stuff. But, you know, they don't they don't come out of the gate with that. They come out of the gate with, oh, you know, here's Iron Man and here's how he becomes a good guy and then it's oh no secretly iron man's really fucked up and uh, <laughs> he's gonna have ptsd and all that stuff and like, uh yeah DC, just goes in uh, feet first yeah dc's been kind of doing this since the late 80s because what two comics are often credited with like kind of creating the whole conversation like oh well comic books can be more than just kitty books like and the two comics that came out in the late 80s were watchmen obviously and I didn't even know these came out at around the same time, but also Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns, mm. which 
for those of you that don't know or haven't seen the animated movie, is about Batman coming out of retirement as an old man. And like I said, he's like Frank Miller Batman. So he's like kind of unhinged. Like he will not hesitate on like absolutely destroying somebody, but like kind of doing it with a smirk on his face at the same time. Um, And it really like both of them really deconstruct this like superhero mythos of like, Oh, like superheroes back in like the forties and fifties, they're just costume do-gooders, happy go lucky, like the very like MCU popcorn thing that people like. And DC's like angle was like, oh no, these people got issues. They bring their trauma into it, they bring their emotions into it, whether they like to admit it or not. At the end of the day, they're human, except for maybe Dr. Manhattan, but we'll get into that. Yeah, I totally agree. It It is interesting because I think the conversation around superhero movies has kind of got to that point, especially with the Batman. I know we keep bringing up the Batman, but it's a good movie. <laughs> it's a, one, it's a good movie. Great fucking movie. It's on HBO Max as of today. I might watch it later, but it really is the thing where like I I almost don't think that movie wouldn't be possible without stuff like Watchmen. Agreed. Mm. Like yeah. lit- literally the opening monologue almost mirrors like Rorschach's journal. Oh God. Yeah, you're totally right. The whole opening monologue. I know this came first. I know it, but I was like, <laughs> it's the Batman. <laughs> like the whole entire time. I was like, hee hee. They both journal. I would like, that's so funny. I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> I just could not get Batman out of my head, even though obviously this one came first you go ahead i'm so sorry no no i was gonna say when i watched the batman the first time i did not i didn't really contrast it to and compare it to watchmen a bunch i thought about seven and then watching watchmen again yesterday i was like oh yeah no i was wrong it's it's also this movie (laughs) it has a lot of watchmen dna in it no Mm. Yeah, it has a lot, a lot, like more than I expected. Like, I was just like, I'm like, am I just thinking this because like Batman is like fresh in my mind? And then like it kept happening. And I was like, oh, no, there's like a lot of Watchmen DNA inside the Batman. Maybe not necessarily the movie, but definitely the source material. Like a lot of it is in there, which leads me into um, you said earlier you had a big gripe with the Watchmen adaptation. Uh, Do you care to share what that was or have you already said it? Oh my god, I've forgotten what do I? Did I forget it? I'm trying to think. A lot I know a lot of people have a gripe that there's no squid in the movie. Oh, I'm the opposite. I think Zack Snyder made a great fucking decision getting rid of that squid. <laughs> oh I shit. I am that's that's I it's the anti-gripe. Mm-hmm. I'm the um I I had read Watchmen before I went and saw it. And I, I, the, the, the big squid never really landed with me, but the fact that they changed it to be Dr. Manhattan and therefore making him an antagonist in the eyes of, of the world. I thought that was the moment where I thought, oh yeah, he's done it. He's bloody done it. Um, but what about you two? Are you team squid or team Dr. Manhattan? You go Mads. I, I, I want to save my answer for last. So I actually just didn't care. <laughs> I'm going to be like, I don't know how else to word this <laughs> other than I didn't care. Um, and I think that rewatching it, I think Dr. Manhattan, like making it more of his storyline was a great choice. Um, I just remember when I eventually did read the graphic novel in like middle school, I was like, oh, 
I didn't know this person existed. <laughs> this character existed. Moving on. Like I didn't really, uh, it didn't affect me deeply. Um, so I have no mm. input on that, which is weird because I'm usually very opinionated. So Reina, your turn. <laughs> uh, I started off team Dr. Manhattan Nuke. But then the HBO series turned me into Team Squid. Mm. That's the thing. It's been. It's. I haven't seen Watchmen uh, HBO miniseries since 2019. So, and uh, my memory is terrible, especially in pandemic. Um, so I'm like, I'm, I'm. I'm. I kind of think about it separately. However, when I was watching the movie i was like oh, yeah i could just i could see the i could see it going to the miniseries in a way but it, it didn't necessarily inform how i felt but that's a weird roundabout way of saying that i forgot most of what happened in the miniseries but i did want to rewatch it <laughs> i i think it's interesting i think the miniseries and the movie especially the complete cut are very compatible except for the squid part because like Obviously, the movie is squidless and the Mm -hmm. squid in the HBO series actually has some significance. Yeah. Especially when it comes to the origin of a certain character. Mm -hmm. So it's like, fuck, like you were so close, but I guess they just wanted to do a sequel to the graphic novel, which is fine. But the movie is pretty great and pretty close. I like how they made an unfilmable movie. Holy shit. Yeah, they said it couldn't be done. Written by Solid Snake. Holy shit, by the way. He, he, I, I need to look at his IMDb. Um, I you know, have it up. Oh, perfect. What, what are, he did X-Men. He did X-Men and X2. He did both of them. X2, my, my favorite one. I, you know what? I haven't watched that one in ages. I'm kind of curious to see if it holds up. Um, I don't know. It holds up a bunch. <laughs> Uh, there are some bits from like I don't know. You could tell they're still very much working things out, but I think X two was the best they got, and then uh, uh, the rest happened. So here's David Hayter's like writing credits because we obviously know he has a bunch of acting credits. For those of you that don't know, for our listeners, he's the voice of Solid Snake in Metal Gear Solid. Well, one two four. He's yeah. got replaced in five for a myriad of reasons, but we don't talk about that. Oh, that still kills me. Okay, I'm moving on. <laughs> Um, he his first script was X Men, solid. I think the first movie holds up. It holds up in a way of like, oh, this was like the start of the comic book craze, like that and Blade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. It, it's like I, I don't get know, except the Toad line, but that's that's a Whedonism, so it's fine. Oh shit! I forgot all about that. Never mind. Piece of garbage <laughs> movie. Hate it. Wait, what line? Uh, you want you know what happens to a Toad when it's hit by lightning? Yeah, yeah. Same yep. thing that happens to everything else. I thought you said toe line, so thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> oh, yeah, the weird foot fetish line in X-Men. <laughs> that does sound like a Whedonism, let's really be honest. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. That would not stick out like a weed. Um, so X-Men, and then his next one was the Scorpion King. Oh no. Yeah, David Hayter wrote the fucking Scorpion King. That's wild to me. I um, watched that again last year. Oh god, and, uh, how has that aged? It, it not well. <laughs> and I, I don't, it wasn't good to start with. Listen, I am an 
undeniable defender of the mummy we're sponsored by a clothing company that loves the mummy oh i i the mummy and the mummy returns up up pivotal movies in in my in my life um, they made me bisexual <laughs> yeah 100 when did you realize you're bisexual when i watched the mummy <laughs> oh yeah mummy returns good lord um yeah so scorpion king he did a tv movie called lost in oz in 2002 looks like it might have been like a failed tv pilot like a modern retelling of the wizard of oz oh no like a gritty reboot yeah like a gritty like emerald city like starring ryan gosling as the wizard no i'm kidding (laughs) that seems like a movie they would actually make now i hope to god they don't so he wrote that then he wrote x2 x-men united he wrote the screenplay and the story for that one then he wrote watchmen and i believe at one point he was also attached to direct watchmen and then everything else is like unknown stuff like chasm which is a short film wolves a 2014 movie two episodes of series called warrior nun and a TV mm-hmm. miniseries coming out soon called World War III. Um, and then it says, I don't know why this is under writing section, but it says he's in the new Knights of the Old Republic. Shut the fuck up. Oh, Shut that's the voices. Fuck up right now. Jedi Knight male slash additional voices. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm looking at acting. Oh, I didn't realize he was in Yakuza like a dragon. But then again, I played, I played it in Japanese. Wait, is he so really? I know that. He's the bartender. That's, you know what? I used to tell everybody, oh, no, I will not play the dub for Like a Dragon. But you know what? I finally did a playthrough with the dub of it. Mm-hmm. Fantastic fucking dub. It's really good. I'm still, I'm, st- I'm like a hundred hours in on my first playthrough, and I'm, I'm doing it all in Japanese. So <laughs> like I'm not going back. <laughs> it's, it's taken me. I, I genuinely started it on release day in 2020, and now we're, you know, a year and a half later. I got screwed on that game because, like, they did that weird thing on PlayStation where they're like, "Oh, your save data won't carry over when the next gen version drops." oh yeah Mm -hmm. so my first playthrough was on was in japanese and then i was like well i might as well play with the dub and check it out so i had to like restart the entire game and i just never went back to it after a while but yeah david Hayter. um i guess alan moore has gone on record saying that the david Hayter script which i don't know how much was used for the snyder film is probably the closest a screenwriter would come to adapting Watchmen. but he's never seen it right um he okay alan moore is this like weirdo mystic wizard that lives in the woods he (laughs) he likes to say he doesn't watch adaptations of his shit but i know damn well he's a liar because (laughs) you know that dude lives on the internet yeah no i agree i think he probably has like sneakily seen a little bit oh you can't tell me that that man heard all the backlash from the killing joke and then didn't even bother to watch an 80 minute movie he's got time like yeah like come on the man doesn't even write comics anymore like i'm sure he's seen Watchmen. i know for a fact he's seen v for vendetta which it's like you might as well just watch Watchmen while you're at it yeah just just set an afternoon aside I wonder how he felt about the Batman Batgirl romance. Oh, and Killing Joke? Why did you remind me of that? I'm sorry. That's all I can think of when I think of Killing Joke. (laughs) Listen, I went to like they showed it in theaters for one night and me and like a group of 10 friends went. Yep. I dragged my friends that don't even like comic books to that freaking movie. And they were like, why are we here? And I was it was an experience for sure. I legit almost got up and walked out because I was like, oh, man, when are they going to get to the killing joke? Because it's just 
Lucy, I don't know if you've seen that adaptation, have you? No, I have not. Oh, it is like, oh, it's another like 80 minute DC animated movie. And like, I don't know if you know that the killing joke is like, I want to say that story is like 30, 35 pages. It is like a yeah, single. Not too long. Yeah, it's a single one shot comic. So obviously they're like, well, shit, we need to do something to stretch out the runtime. So they do this entire like prologue with Batman and Batgirl building up their relationship. I know. And it peaks with with them having sex on a rooftop. Oh god. And it and then the killing joke happens. So like right after she has sex with Batman and it's like, oh, I love Batman so much. They shoot her. And I was like, oh, God, you try to really flesh her out and just made her worse in the process. Not to like make this a killing joke episode. But what really grinds my gears about that is that in the comics, Batman just loves and cares for her because he loves and cares for her. And in this one, they had to make the stakes higher by being like, oh, well, they're sleeping together. So like he cares for her more. No, that's family to him. Like that makes me so mad. They tried to make her a more important character by making her like a love interest when she's just important to him, period, because they're family. Oh, sorry. Don't. mm -mm. I hate it. I would say it, Watchmen is the best Alan Moore adaptation. That's my segue back to Watchmen, yeah. by the way. <laughs> Agreed. Um, I, agree. I like it. I like it better than V for Vendetta. I feel like at least like Zack Snyder likes Watchmen enough that he's able to celebrate it in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it may not be like everybody's cup of tea, but I feel like he literally did the best job he could because you can read the graphic novel and you can literally like look at certain aspects and go like, I have no idea how this man kind of brought this to life. Oh, yeah. And like yeah. you can tell that he examined every panel of those issues. Like, I, I can't wait to see like his thumbed copy of Watchmen, like his annotated version, which he must have. It's 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 wonderful because I did read a Vanity Fair article with uh, when the Snyder Cut came out and they visited him like in his office. They say he's just a super nice dude loves comics, loves working with characters, is a joy to work with. And they say like on his desk are like copies of like Watchmen or Batman. And they're just all annotated with sticky notes and like bookmarks and bent pages. That's so cute. (laughs) He does sound very wholesome. He does. And and his son plays a young Rorschach in this movie. Couldn't think of a kind of nicer role for him. Jesus Christ. I know. Here, 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 son, stand here. And and these these men are going to wait in line to go have sex with Rorschach mother but just hold still looking solemn here son look traumatized for real for real i do i do like the the what the rorschach reveal in this movie like uh, when they unmask him finally and you realize he's the the guy with the end is nice sign yeah he's just always around but that's the thing like when they when they add in the the newsstand scenes like they make rorschach part of it by like he's but the thing is is that i do get that they it, the new frontiersman, like the right wing paper, like the fact that they have Rorschach, they kind of hammer home the fact that he reads it. And like, I think that's one thing that maybe gets lost a little bit is that Rorschach is a very right leaning mm-hmm, conspiracy mm-hmm. theory kind of guy. And so those scenes do definitely help to put that back in. Yeah. And and they got that one at the newsstand where like Night Owl and Silk Spectre like walk by and he's like staring at them and the camera like stays on him for like 10 seconds. And you're just like, 
oh, come on, you're giving away the reveal. Yeah. I forgot how many times this movie is just like, yeah, I hate liberals. <laughs> I was dying. I just did not remember that at all. <laughs> I, In a weird way, I don't think that's Snyder. I think that's kind of the source material. Oh, no, it is. I just completely forgot about it until now. <laughs> yeah, which is an interesting contrast to the HBO series. Because the HBO series is like a 180 on all that. Yeah. Like, if you could argue, not to get into politics too much, if you could get into, like, like you could argue that the original source material is sort of right-wing leaning in a way mm-hmm. uh, with certain characters, whereas the the other one is like, nah, fuck that. Like, this one's, like, left-leaning. Yeah. I It's, it's something that, like, when I watched it, I, you know, I was, God, too young to really focus, not on politics, like, I just wasn't very worldly. But, yeah, watching it back now, it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I was, I was like 11 when it came out and when I saw it the first time. So I had no idea what any of that meant. <laughs> but um, Oh, yeah, because you, you got the you got the the whole character of the comedian. Sorry to cut you off. No, Madison. you're fine. No, you got that whole character, like the ideologies of the comedian yeah. in this movie are just like. Oh. No, for sure. And mm-hmm. I just like didn't grasp it as a kid and I saw it a few times as a young teen but I still feel like I wasn't just wasn't fully grasping it <laughs> and then I saw it this time and I was like oh holy shit so to lighten the mood a little bit uh Lucy why do you think this movie's uh pretty underrated or underappreciated I think I think it's kind of from what we talked about earlier right it's kind of like this the snobbishness that comes from the way people look at I think certainly you know in 2009 in terms of where we're at with superhero movies being the kind of dominant box office drivers, they weren't back then. You know, we would have had um, Iron Man and that was it. We wouldn't like the MCU was still very much in its infancy. DC maybe had just come off the back of, or like still, you know, had the Nolan trilogy, but like they weren't seen as the same as like what Marvel would propel the genre to, I guess. And like, they were a bit darker back then and like this is the one that tried to be more intellectual with it Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day you are appealing to comic book fans and i say that as a comic book fan right like especially when you take something as beloved as Watchmen, it's gonna be difficult and i felt like at least then and certainly now especially with all the stuff about like release the snyder cut you know there's there's just kind of this preemptive hatred of his movies sometimes for sure and with Watchmen, like i think that was very undeserved i think it's a really really great adaptation and it's still not given the kind of respect it deserves right on i i would agree with every every part of that statement that you just said it, it was it was in, in a weird way almost ahead of its time mm-hmm. which which is probably why like you said, people were were like more into the Nolan stuff. So DC puts this out there like, what the hell is this? Give us Dark Knight Rises already. Yeah. And I mean, I guess like the Nolan stuff as well was, I think, rated in the UK, at least like rated 12, rated 15. I It's still, you know, kind of on the more less mature side. And whereas Watchmen was like, we're going to have this guy's whole dick and balls out. And <laughs> there's going to be a sex scene set to Hallelujah. And we're going to see a guy's elbow get broken like in the camera you know like it really doubled down on that and like that's just in terms of content and then there's the mature themes there's this the question of ideology there's you know all of this added on top yeah it was just so ahead of its time i do wonder if it came out now 
Actually, no, I wouldn't. I would say it probably came out at the best time because now it would have to deal with the online capital D discourse. And I don't wish that upon Ooh. anyone or anything, especially something as much I love as much as Watchmen. It doesn't need that. It, it got, it was subjected to a lot of discourse, but I just find 20, the 2020s discourse is just a whole other level of, you know, try being a Star Wars fan, hey, right? Hey, yeah. Hey, yeah, try being a Matrix fan. Holy shit. Oh, God. Yeah. Mm. Try, yeah it's just best not to be a fan of anything. Yeah. I think. Fuck um, everything. <laughs> just best not to be online. The Batman was terrible. I didn't like Mortal Kombat. I hated all of this. New Godzilla sucks. But I, I'm kidding. I love all of those. Uh, low key. Listen, I'm just going to say I love Mortal Kombat. That's all. I'm I love, leave it I such a great time with that. It is. Fun movie. Glad we're getting a sequel. Um, so Madison, I understand you have some facts about Watchmen Ultimate Cut for us. I sure do have some facts. Thank you very much. Um, this was the third version of Watchmen released. We talked about this a little bit earlier, but there was the 2009 theatrical version and a director's cut that came out before the Ultimate Cut, which is really interesting because um, there's not too many movies where you can get three, not very different, but pretty different movies out of something. So that's pretty cool. Um, the major difference with the ultimate cut is that it integrates Tales of the Black Freighter, which we talked about. That's the animated film. So it splices that into uh, different parts of the movie. Tales of the Black Freighter was in the original script and it was supposed to be shot in live action like we talked about with Gerard Butler, which would have been crazy. But uh, the film was considered unfilmable, like we also discussed. It went through various attempts and versions of, in Hollywood throughout the years. Notable versions include a version in 1991 that was going to be directed by uh, Terry Gilliam. And in 2001, uh, David Hayter directing 2004 with Michael Bay and 2005 with Darren, Darren Aronofsky. I, um, I know, I just oh butchered God. that. I know. <laughs> Okay, yes, can we talk about the fact that um, Laurie Jupiter was supposed to be at one point mm -hmm. played by Natalie Portman? Um, and I'm, I, I'll be honest, I really liked her character as mm -hmm. an 11-year-old. Rewatching it now was rough. I did oh, not shit. like her in this role. I did not think her performance was really good. And when I saw the like list of actresses that were set to play her before Malin, um, I was dying because I would have loved any of them. And I like not to shit on her or anything. I just thought her performance wasn't as good as I remembered. And I think it would have been so cool to have Natalie Portman in that role. But you guys say what you were going to say about those. What if Michael Bay had done Watchmen? Oh, my God. Uh, why would you put that evil out into the world? Listen, I didn't put it out into the world. I discovered it and was like, holy shit. I, I mean, I think just the whole the, the majority of the movie would be the prison breakout scene. Oh, God. You know, with like millions of explosions. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we'd spend longer in Vietnam, which I already feel like that that's hard enough to watch. We don't need to linger <laughs> on the Vietnam scenes. Oh, we were talking about a political version of Watchmen here. What if Michael Bay had made oh it? <laughs> um, the interesting one to me is the Darren Aronofsky one. Yeah, um, I don't know if I could see that. It's it's interesting. I can mm. see it more now that Madison brought up that Natalie Portman was attached at one point. Mm -hmm. um, that'd be <laughs> that'd be pretty great. But I don't know if you guys knew, but at one point, Darren Aronofsky was attached to reboot the Batman franchise with like a movie adaptation of Batman Year One, and Frank Miller was going to write it, and 
Joaquin Phoenix was set to play Bruce Wayne. It was going to be like a very like different take boots on the ground type character. Like his Batcave would have been a garage. His Batmobile just would have been like a Lincoln. And mm. and Robin would have been like, I, I forget if it's either Robin or Alfred would have been a mechanic that worked in the garage with him. It was like a very unhinged, like a vigilante movie. I almost think that that really would have worked for Watchmen. That would be really interesting. Yeah, that script is actually online. Like you can actually find it and read it. And it is very unhinged. Like it's weird because it's adapted by the guy who wrote Batman Year One, the comic. Mm. And it is just like totally fucking different. Yeah, it's very interesting. So and this would have been around the same time that he was kind of hopping around between that and Watchmen because it was the mid 2000s or the early 2000s where Aronofsky was going to reboot Batman because it was after the whole Schumacher debacle. So like Warner Brothers was like, we want a drastically different take on this character now. And I just can't help but wonder that maybe Darren Aronofsky might have been able to pull off Watchmen. But then he left to make the fountain. Oh, God. Um, Are we fountain fans in this conversation? I don't remember it. It's one of those ones that it's like, I just, I just don't remember it. It's like Hugh Jackman, Rachel Wise. They're like fountain of you. I oh, found it oh, to be. Oh, sorry. Uh, Rachel <laughs> Wise was also set to play her. She Whoa. was the other actress. Yeah, it was oh Rachel Wise God. and Natalie Portman. That's that. I knew I was missing an actress that I was really excited about. That was the actress. So thank you for jogging my memory. Um, both would have been better. Sorry to Miss Girl who played her. I did not like your performance. Um, oh, we were talking about bisexual <laughs> movies before. Watchmen was about yeah, to be I one. Know. Yeah. I know. It would have been crazy. Patrick Wilson and Rachel Wise. Patrick. Okay. Continue. <laughs> now with Rachel Wise, I'm convinced that she was attached when Aronofsky was attached because. Oh, that timeline. Yeah. Yeah. That timeline. It lines up with the fountain. That also makes me wonder if Hugh Jackman might have been attached at one point. As as Ozymandias. I, yeah. I, like, I was going to say as Dan Dryberg. I was like, no. no mm, it maybe even Rorschach. Does he have the range for that? I don't know. Yeah, you bring up a solid point. I because you He's almost too nice. He's too nice. Because you almost wonder, like you always hear about like projects where that like fall through for directors, so they make it like a passion project movie. And the fountain of thousand percent feels like that. Like, oh, Watchmen didn't work out, so I'm just gonna go and make this. Or Watchmen and Batman Year One didn't work out, so I'm just gonna make so my own. Make thing. my own. Don't worry about it. Yeah, it's always interesting whenever they try to get Darren Aronofsky into like franchise filmmaking or like comic book filmmaking because it's like that's a strange choice. It's a mix. Uh, yeah, kind of ironic though that Joaquin Phoenix was attached to play Bruce Wayne. Oh, and then becomes Joker. Yeah. Um, with that pivot, uh, Madison, you want to read off the rest of these facts? Hell yeah, I can. Um, the graphic novel was a sequel has a sequel in the form of HBO's Watchmen series, but if you squint hard enough, it could be a sequel to the film. I completely agree with that fact. We can pause there to talk a little bit about the HBO series. I need to rewatch it. It's so fucking good. Like It's one of those things I binged and then my brain doesn't have the capacity to remember everything I binged, so it uh it's gone. <laughs> I feel like I feel like that movie 
understands the source material, the graphic novel, but in a very different way that the film does. Yeah. Like, I feel like it understands the politics more or more of the angle of like, if heroes existed, this is probably how it would go down. Yeah, I agree with that. Less superheroes and more of like, oh, it makes sense that if somebody attacked a police station, the police would hide their identities and just use the superhero angle. It also like talks about police brutality, racial issues. It understands the source material in a way of like, oh, if Watchmen were written now, what would it be about? Mm-hmm. Probably the same. Yeah, probably that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. probably. Although a lot less nuclear destruction in the sequel series. I'm glad. I'm glad they were just like we're just gonna make one series though. That's yeah. it. And then we're gonna get Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross in. <sighs> Holy it's going to be the best soundtrack you've ever it's, heard. It's going to be the like the most ripping soundtrack ever. Like, holy shit. I, I, I genuinely think that might be some of their best work. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, have you seen the so the liner notes? Um, my my old roommate has the li- the the vinyl for the Watchmen miniseries. It's not a mm-hmm. miniseries; it's ten episodes. The Watchmen series, and it's like Nine Inch Nails exists in the Watchmen universe, but they're called the Nine Inch Nails. Oh shit! <laughs> Which is just like a nice little weird nod to to Trentanicus in there, but yeah. So are the like liner notes like in universe? I think if they, if I remember correctly, they're all like newspaper articles and stuff. I think <gasps> look it up, but it's it, it's oh, it's cool no. like to pour over. I am like on the Nine Inch Nails store right now. I might I might snag all of those up as we speak. What I was going to say, because you guys reminded me of Watchmen music, is the My Chemical Romance cover of Desolation Row oh, for the 2009 yeah. Watchmen. <laughs> Such yeah. a banger. It really uh, transports you to a time and place. Yeah, I can't believe we almost got to the end of this episode without mentioning it. <laughs> Holy shit. Because. I fucking love this cover. I okay, it might be bad. It might be bad. I was eleven and a My Chemical Romance fan though, so I'm a fan oh, of no. it. <laughs> no, it's a good cover. It's one of those ones where it's like I don't even call it a guilty pleasure. It's just a pleasure. Yeah, I love that, and it's it, that is Watchmen to me. Um, even though it's not in the movie, but um, it is the I, credit. Uh, I just had to bring it up. It's in the credits, I know, but it's not in the movie. But I I had to bring it up because it's very yeah. very much. Uh, 2009 and my vibe <laughs> also the music video is directed by Zack snyder yes yes Ooh, i didn't know that yeah i think they might have used reused the set from the film i think that theater was like a set they were about to tear down and they're like let's cut this music video real fast get in stop miming boys yeah for real we we got a banger on our hand, boys. We need a music <laughs> video for this, which, you know, I know we like to talk about like, oh, the Batman needs a My Chemical Romance soundtrack, but literally Watchmen does have one. Also, shout out Super Yaki, our sponsor, released a Batman My Chemical Romance collab and I I purchased it, obviously. Uh, well, it's a Robert Pattinson My Chemical Romance collab. And if you haven't seen it, Friends, please go look it up because Super Yaki is the best. I'm looking right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, there's a Jennifer's Body t-shirt. Oh, I have that one, too. I love it. And then not to toot my own horn, but I have a collaboration with them for 2005's House of Wax. Ooh. Yeah. What? What yep. is it? It's a, it's a recreation of that t-shirt that they sold when the film came out that says, See Paris Die. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. 
that's really cool. Yeah, it's they, they make a lot of cool stuff, and they're yeah. wonderful, generous sponsors of this show. Lovely. Madison, I have a feeling we're going to hang on this little last fact for a little bit. So you want to read it for us? I sure do. Watchmen's poor box office performance put every R-rated Warner Brothers comic book movie on hold until 2019's Joker. That's crazy. And then that one became a billion box office smash. Insane. Insane. I I knew that movie was going to be a hit because I was working as a manager at an AMC at the time, but I did not expect it to blow up the way it did. It's it's the best movie that I never want to see again. <laughs> it's interesting because that is another that is one of those movies that like I watched it and I loved it. And then I'm like, OK, I don't have to revisit it. <laughs> I've yeah. only seen it the one time. And I always say this because people hate on it so much on Twitter that I'm like, is my memory wrong? Was it bad? Because I loved it. I love Zazie Beats. I love Joaquin Phoenix. I had a wonderful time. I never saw it again after that first time. But I feel weird saying I liked it because I feel like it has such a bad reputation. But I thought it was a really well-made film. So I don't defend it on Twitter, but I defend it in real life. And I guess now on this podcast. So, yeah. <laughs> Ma- Madison's just applying her makeup and it's the Joaquin Phoenix Joker makeup for like day to day. <laughs> I'm in my Joker era, actually. So. Yeah. Just dancing down uh, flights of stairs. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, it's interesting because like we've been, I, I've, I've said it's interesting so much during this pod. I hate myself, but it really is interesting that like we said, oh, Watchmen was probably ahead of its time with like the R rated like comic book movie. And then it's like, 2019 they take a chance r-rated joker movie and release it and it's a huge runaway success to the point that like dc will not hesitate dropping an r-rated movie like director's vision r-rated justice league four hours fuck it put it out suicide squad yeah the The suicide Suicide squad Squad. being rated r batman and the suicide squad well that was pg-13 jk but um yeah I almost thought that the Batman was going to be rated R, but then I really thought about it. I'm like, it's, it was originally. Yeah. But I was like, it's a Batman movie. They want the kiddies to go see it. Yeah. Even though it's terrifying. Yeah. Jesus. When he's like appears behind and he's breathing. Le- <laughs> God. Oh, I love that. I spilled a beer while working at the Alamo because uh, it was the scene where he's like, oh, the first time and it scared me and I hadn't seen the movie yet. <laughs> I dropped a beer. <laughs> Which is super embarrassing. Um, But something I really like, I'm sorry about this Batman tangent, um, but something I really liked about that movie is that the way that they did it in a noir style and they were able to describe how bloody and gruesome the murder was without showing it in order to keep the PG-13 rating made it feel more like a noir film, but also was like a really creative way, like to keep it within the rating that they wanted to like the part where they're describing the um the mayor is it the mayor yeah it's the mayor mm. his dead body and they're like wow is all this blood from his head oh no they cut his finger like but thumb drive they don't show it and i think that's so creative and like well done i thought they did it in a really good way anyway sorry for that tangent well it's i think joker had a runaway success because they used a more recognizable ip because people knew what watchmen was in 2009 but it wasn't like part of like the mainstream conversation i would say yeah Mm. no you're right yeah Like you had to kind of be a comic book reader at the time to know about Watchmen. Also, I feel like Watchmen's like a hard R and Joker Mm. 
is Joker's, less of a hard R. <laughs> Joker's pretty hard. I mean, the amount of penis shown in Joker is less than Watchmen. So, <laughs> you yeah, know what I but, mean? <laughs> but, I, but I almost want to say Joker has more violence. Yeah, definitely the show. No, I think for violence, it's a harder R, but not for sex. And I feel like that uh, when a lot of parents will take their kids to a violent movie, they won't take their kids to a movie with a lot of sex in it. You know what I'm saying? So I feel yeah. like it's also easier to reach a larger audience in that way. Um, mm-hmm. Also, the IP was just it's the fucking Joker. Like, yeah, like everyone and their the, mother wanted to see it. But <laughs> it's tangentially connected to Batman. So, yeah, might see Batman in this. Yeah. Yeah. You might see Batman or, hey, everybody loves the Joker because of the Dark Knight. Like, cool. Mm-hmm. It was just, I guess. Right place, right time for that one. Um, for sure. And I feel like the HBO Watchmen series was done at the right time, too, because I don't know if you two know this, but like after they did the HBO Watchmen series, they like integrated Watchmen into the like the main DC continuity in the comics. And it's so bad, too. Like I, I read a bit of I read the first issue of it. And I just went, no, of the no. before Watchmen series. Oh, of before Watchmen, I read like um, I read Ozymandias, I read the comedian, and I read Doctor Manhattan. At least uh-huh. I remember reading the first issue of each, and I was like, "Oh God, okay, no, I'm yeah, not finishing this." But that, what was it? Flat, not Flashpoint. Was it Flashpoint? Yeah, I guess yeah. It, it's like technically revealed later on with like Doomsday Clock and mm-hmm. the button. It's like during Rebirth, it's revealed. Oh. Dr. Manhattan was secretly the one that was mucking with the DC universe during Flashpoint. No. And that the new 52 is technically the result of Dr. Manhattan. No. Yeah. They do like weird stuff. Weird stuff. I'm a huge reader of like very specific titles. I won't say I'm like, I follow everything, but I'm a very big Batman reader and especially Scott Snyder. Like, oh, hell yeah love his Batman run. I own like every hardcover book of like the, his Batman run. And I believe it's Dark Knight's death metal, which he describes as a big anti-crisis event. Now for those listeners that are like, what the fuck is she going on about? A crisis in DC universe comics is like, it's usually a timeline reset. They clean up continuity with crisis events. Anti-crisis, Scott Snyder was calling death metal. He was bringing everything back into canon. Part of the reason this is caused is because, I guess, Wally West, one of the flashes from an alternate universe, sits in a Mobius chair, which I'm not going to even get into what a Mobius chair is. He sits in it. And he gains the powers of Dr. Manhattan when he does it. Mm. <laughs> yeah, Lucy's like, I'm out. <laughs> I'm tapping out. <laughs> I genuinely believe it was like the HBO Watchmen series and how critically acclaimed and popular that was. Like, it won a ton of Emmys that like before Watchmen failed and they're like, oh no, fuck it. Bring it into the like main DC continuity. Like there's like a storyline with Batman and the Flash called The Button where Batman somehow reaches into the wall of the Batcave and pulls out the comedian's button from Watchmen. Okay. 
Yeah, and him oh. and Flash like investigated it, and it's like, oh, Reverse Flash was killed during Flashpoint, but he was killed by <laughs> Doctor Manhattan. I'm really, I mean, thank you for for taking this bullet for us because I'm I'm glad I didn't watch uh, read this. Oh, this is just just leave watch we leave them alone. Yeah. You know? Like, I'm pretty sure DC has like an Elseworlds imprint where it's like, oh, this is out continuity. This is its own thing. Please leave Watchmen there. Just leave him alone. Oh, wait, wait. It is New 52 that brings Watchmen into canon. Because if I remember during Flashpoint, it's revealed, oh, the DC is essentially three universes, like three different Earths. It's DC, it's Vertigo, and it's Wildstorm. And if you remember back in the day, the Vertigo imprint was what Watchmen was published under. And during like, I believe like Doomsday Clock, they're all merged together. So I don't know what this means for like the future of like DC Comics now that everything's canon. But I think DC is like, man, I'm going to be really upset if this happens. And I know the Internet is going to explode when they finally announce it. So I'm just going to say it. I'm going to rip the bandaid off. I feel like they're building up for a Watchmen versus Justice League series. Oh, oh God. God. <laughs> I love the reactions. Yeah, but that's my comic tangent. I'm just going to say comics are fucking weird. Just stick with the Scott Snyder Batman run. You're good. Yep, just it was uh, a Grant Morrison Batman run as well. Also, oh, excellent. I just started that. <gasps> First time. First time, and it's because Ooh, you're gonna have a good time. And it's because I love the Scott Snyder one. And somebody like online tried to like be like, "Oh, well, his run is only good because of Grant Morrison's." And like, then I read Scott Snyder's first Batman story, which was Black Mirror, obviously, and. I didn't know that in that story, Dick Grayson is Batman. Yes. And somebody told me they're like, oh, that's because of Grant Morrison's Batman run. So they're like, if you want to know that story, you got to read that one. It's really good. And I, I spent like one Christmas day. I just got a Kindle and I just downloaded load like all of them. There's there's a reading list to kind of get it all in order and stuff. I read that. I just I blasted through them all it was a great day wonderful that that is a resounding recommendation i will let you know when i get through that yes please and then also get on berserk because I'm, <sighs> I'm just trying to get everyone to read berserk in the i'm gonna end up buying those fancy ass hardcovers aren't i <laughs> it's gonna be my fault probably i'll let you know <laughs> um so uh before we get out of here do we have any final thoughts on Watchmen? i know this episode was all over the place but i think people need to know how important of a cultural milestone Watchmen is honestly if, if i'm if i'm talking about Watchmen to people i recommend that they read it then watch the director's cut um and then watch the hbo miniseries and then just listen to the soundtrack on repeat and it's just it's so good it's i hope that the justice league watchman thing doesn't happen but because otherwise it's just like such a perfectly well-contained story um that's been adapted so perfectly a couple times and i just think more people need to when they think of watchman more people also need to think of the Zack snyder movie and not just the hbo show and not just the comic it's a family it's all part of the same thing it's three different earths being merged together into one exactly <laughs> uh, Madison, any closing thoughts on Watchmen? No, it was just really good to revisit this one. I've always, I always liked it when I was younger, and I always say I love Watchmen, but it had been so long since I had gone back and actually watched it. Um, but it was really fun. I was really happy to get back into it. I just think that next time I'll watch the theatrical release when I'm showing it to people. <laughs> but I did like this version. I just don't know if I could do it again anytime soon. Um, 
but it made me want to go back and show some friends the theatrical cut. So. I kind of, I kind of wouldn't recommend this particular version at all. I would say just watch the director's cut and then watch Tales of the Black Freighter if you're really into it. I think you should just watch that anyway. It's some good J- Jared Butler. Yeah, he makes a raft made of like dead bodies. It's fucking sick. It is. He kills a seagull like in the lighthouse. Yeah. Robert Pattinson, Batman. There's my tangent. No, I'm kidding. All, all roads lead back to the Batman. Low key, because this is a DC property. Okay, so before we get out of here, uh, Lucy, is there anything you want to plug that you're working on? Where can people find you on socials? Yeah, uh, so I'm Lucy James Games on everything. I stream... Uh, Tuesdays, definitely. Thursdays, every so often. Um, and then my my kind of day jobs are GameSpot and Giant Bomb. You can find all my stuff there. Um, and if you want pictures of my cat, Twitter and Instagram, that's, that's where I just post pictures of her. She's my whole life now. But no, thank you for having me on. This is really fun. Yeah, not a problem. Thank you for joining us. Um, Madison, where can everyone find you? I am at Maddie, M-A-D-D-I-E underscore Amidala on Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, everywhere. Um, but I have another podcast. It's called the Night Sisters Podcast. Um, and I do weekly interviews with uh, creators in the Star female creators in the Star Wars community, um, just highlighting their work and trying to uplift women in the fandom. So if you want to listen to that, it's at Night Sisters Pod on social media and it's on every streaming service. And you can find me on all socials at JFC and Doomblade. You can find my work all over the web. Usually check my bio. That's usually where I'm getting published. Um I guess the only thing I need to plug is that I did a really cool Resident Evil piece for Fangoria where I documented the entire making of the first film. I read that. It was great. Oh, my God. I'm so honored that you read that. <laughs> no, I, I secretly really loved the first couple of Resident Evil movies. So I was like, yes, I'm going to read this. And it was you really know, good. Paul W.S. Anderson, he did some some gold in those early movies. And the the fact that it was the Slipknot soundtrack too. Yes, it was on the DVD, but you had to unlock it with a um, with like a secret code that you had to find. Like it, it brings back so many good memories to me. I I love them. I I recently rewatched that entire series when the 4K set came out, oh. <laughs> and I was like, Yo, I love all of these except the last one. <laughs> I didn't even watch the last one. I watched all the other ones, but it's it's bad. You could tell it was like supposed to be a two-parter and mm-hmm. like sony was probably just like not nah, wrap this up i mean we like the money but wrap this shit up okay it, yeah well, yeah wrap it up <laughs> we got a reboot to do that's kind of like the games but not really but you know who's to say um you can find the pod at windsor film club we are available on apple and spotify so go ahead and give us a rating and subscribe if you wish um we got some cool episodes lined up, so be sure to stick around for those. Oh, and our other host, Steph Koza, is at Steph Koza on everything. And she has a YouTube channel and it's Steph Koza versus the movies. Go check her out, too, because she's really great and couldn't make it tonight. Did you do the outro? The, we never do an outro. <laughs> I guess I'm used to Steph saying bye, actually. Oh. <laughs> That's literally what I was waiting for. Hi, it's Steph. I'm editing the pod. And here's my contribution to this episode. Bye. Bye, bitches!